is the Inside Edge. Your home for Blue Jackets news and conversation. Here's Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley. Well, last night the Blue Jackets went into Detroit, and for the first time this season, they lost a game 4-1 to to the Detroit Red Wings. That was after winning the two home games, one against the Arizona Coyotes last Thursday, 8-2, and then an overtime thriller, 2-1 over the Seattle Kraken on Saturday. Jody, at 2-0 and for a team that was uh, supposed to be in, in such a rebuild, according to people from the outside, you know, the fans, they got to see a great game on opening night. Uh, they got to see two wins in a row before the team hit the road. And I want to start with that because let's go back to opening night. You and I were discussing this the other day in Detroit, just walking around about that, the atmosphere and the feeling and how special this opening night was. I remember my first opening night in this league, and I'm sure you do too, but the one that we went through last week is one I'm never going to forget. You know what? It was uh, it, it was special on so many levels, and, and we'll start with the Kivlenics and, and the tragedy that happened this summer to the Blue Jackets family, and you wonder about, you know, Manny Legacy and, and Elvis Merzlikens, and you, it starts in camp, and then uh, you see Elvis wearing uh, Matisse's number, uh, the number 80. It goes to the rafters. His family is here. Boone Jenner gives the young sister a hug. It, it, the overall emotion was there for that regard, and, and, and Matisse was in everyone's thoughts that night and leading up to that night, and, and he will be all season long. Uh, so that was a, a major, uh, you, you know, heavy heart moment for this organization and, and the hockey world and so, but then you think about opening night in, cell, in itself, and, you know, it's always special. It's always special as a player, as a fan, as a broadcaster, as a member of the Blue Jackets. You've seen it up there in the office for the Blue Jackets organization. A lot of pride in all the work that's gone in, and now here we go, the first show. The, the, the curtain is open on the season. So that's always fun. And then, Bob, the fact that the fans were allowed back in the building uh, to, to fill it as many as they could get, and the sense of appreciation and just um, the, overall, the overall just gratitude of being in the building with their team and the team having their fans here. I saw Seattle Kraken fans, too, and that was great. They were welcomed. You know, that was – I kind of felt like all of that led to a very happy night, even with the heavy hearts for Matisse Kivlenix and, and his tragic situation. So, And then you get to the game, and you, and you see Elvis locked in, and you see the speed of it. And you and you see, or sorry, Arizona fans the first night, and and you see, you know, just how Arizona was playing and how the Blue Jackets took it to them, and and how the game went down. It was it was spectacular. Forty seconds in, they get a goal, and, and if you were a fan that got to come to that game, or you were watching or listening at home, it was elation for everyone. It was kind of like a, you know, it was like how it was supposed to be. And, and then Nyquist gets that goal late in the game. A guy who missed the entire season. Domi comes back early from injury. So you couldn't have scripted it any better. It was a perfect opening night against a team that has, uh, in Arizona, that's going at a completely downward destination. It's happened right away. Uh, don't tell them that. They're going to play hard. They will every night. But, you know, they've, uh, they're off to their struggles. And then when you look at the next night in Seattle, the uniqueness of that new team in the building for the first time, that, 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 those were two uh, fun games to be a part of at Nationwide Arena. And the team played really well. And Brad Larson didn't like the way they played and his coaching staff in the first game because they implemented systems, and they didn't see systems. They just saw lots of goals and lots of saves and lots of things to cheer about. That cannon, uh, you know, came out of the darkness there, and it had a full workout. But, uh, yeah, those those were uh, – that was a, an excellent start to a season. 
It was an excellent start, and it got everybody's hopes up as well it should because, again, from a fan standpoint, you're looking at all the changes, and, you know, we're telling you, hey, this is going to be okay, and still there's that doubt in the back of your mind where you go, is it really going to be okay? There's there's some big-name guys that have been here for a long time. They're not here anymore. And then to watch them come out of the gate 2-0, and play two different styles of game, as you just said, one of them almost a pond hockey game where they could not miss <laughs> on a shot that they took, and the other one that was a grinded-out, uh, find-a-way-to-win type of a game, they did that. Then they go into Detroit last night, and uh, it doesn't work out the same way. They they couldn't get to the net. They couldn't put pucks on Thomas Grice. When they did, Thomas Grice was able to make the saves. Had it not been for Jonas Corposalo making his first start and playing out of his mind for the first two and a half periods, uh, Detroit really could have run them out of that building early in the game. But he did play very, very well. He gave his team a chance to win. Final score is 4-1. to one. It's a 2-1 to one game with two empty netters uh, when it's all said and done. But I would imagine that's a different kind of frustration for a team that, okay, they know they can score from game one. They know they can play their system and they can grind with you in game two. That They just went on the road for the first time and for the first time this year, didn't quite have it. You know, and, and you're not going to have it every night, but when you have a goaltender that keeps you in it and you get a five-on-three late, that is really the moment of the game where you think, um, you know, this could happen. And, and you know, the Blue Jackets uh, were in that situation where, because the game was really, it, it was it was it was stale. And you get Detroit, who wasn't scoring. You get Columbus, who wasn't scoring. They get the kill. The Blue Jackets get the five-on-three kill. And then you think it's okay. Here we go. This team now is going to come out of it. But it just didn't seem like they could get their four-check going. Uh, I don't know what it was. It was a combination of Grice making the saves, uh, Detroit getting out of their zone way too easily, and then the Blue Jackets unable to get out of their zone cleanly and to be able to play any offense. There was no interior offense. There was a couple chances at the net. I thought Chinikov was going to score his first goal in that awesome two-on-one play with Jack Roslevic. There were some moments when you look back, but scoring chances for the Blue Jackets were very low. Grice made the saves when he had to, and Detroit was all over them. But, again, I look at those games and you think, you know, when another team outshoots, uh, the other team gets eight shots before you have any, you think, okay, the first one might go in. That's really what you're thinking. Uh, it didn't happen, and, and there was opportunities in that game for it to break open. But it stayed tight, tight right to the end, even when Boone scored that uh, late power play goal there. But for me, the Blue Jackets' power play had their moments to try to get things going. And critical moments, down a goal, uh, or when it's tight, you know, that's when it has to happen. It didn't happen. So the top players got checked well. They didn't fight through it. I, they were frustrated. I thought they got frustrated against Seattle, but they stayed with it. And that was the difference. They found patience. And then, you know, Robinson, the depth player, gets a goal. And that's what you need when the top guys aren't going. So didn't have it in that regard, but I really thought it started with exiting their zone and getting on the four check, uh, just allowing Detroit to get out of their zone way too easily. And that just led to all that offensive zone time for them. And when you get on the ice and you just defend and chase and then go dump it in, even as, you know, everyone, but more importantly, the line A and Voracek uh, line, it gets it gets old quick, and that's kind of where they were at most of the night. And the only difference in the lineup was Chinikov made his NHL debut, yeah. and Max Domi was out. You got to feel bad for Max. This guy yeah. hurries to get back from the shoulder surgery he had during the off season, and then he plays two games. He ends up with a cracked rib, and now he's going to be out two to four weeks. And he was honestly a spark plug in those couple of games that he played. Uh, you can make the argument, and I would make it 
Those are the two best games he's played in the Blue Jackets uniform since coming over in a trade from Montreal. The emotion of the fans, I'm telling you, that is that guy's game. He understands it. It started before puck drop with Arizona. He was jostling there right off the faceoff, uh, getting the juices flowing. The crowd was going. Then they went out and scored. He made a great play on it. I agree with you, and, and I feel bad for Max. He, he's one tough customer because when you have broken ribs, uh, you don't want to do much. There's not much you can do. And he came back and played through that game, ended up on the flight to Detroit because he didn't get the pictures back from the MRI in time, didn't get to play there, so now he's on the shelf. That's a big hole because he was a veteran guy on the wing with a rookie in Cole Sillinger that's playing that position, and that's an important place to be. So that, that was a good line. Now you could leave Boone Jenner on the wing if Texier had played strong in the middle in the top line. That didn't happen, so you take – you take Max, the veteran, off that wing. You put in a rookie in Chinikov, and then you move Boone out of the middle or out of the the bottom six on off the boards and into the middle of the ice. So now we saw what happened, and it was last night in Detroit. That that was a big big hole, a couple big holes when you move Boone up there too. So those rookies need veterans to play with, good reliable veterans that can make things easy. Uh, they'll find a place for Chinikov and Sillinger, surrounded by veterans. But now there's a lot of a lot of different shuffling going on due to that max injury and just not, in, not having enough veteran presence in that middle position of the ice. And you were talking about the the dump and the chase, especially for the top players like Voracek and Line. Patrick Line is going to join us on this show, by the way. Should have said that right off the top. Pretty big news, but yeah. there it is. Uh, he's going to join us here in a minute. I want to talk to you before we – and we can talk about Texier, and, and I think we need to with the way that he's played, but I want to talk about what was good. And it wasn't just Jonas Corposalo – um, the individual, let's put that as a goaltending tandem because over the first three games, both of these guys have been good. They're both going to need to be good to give this team a chance, no question about it. And I hope what we saw was just the beginning of this competition between these two friends but competitors because there's only X amount of minutes to be the starting goalie on a National Hockey League team. And Elvis went out and he put together two very good games. And Corpusalo, even though he takes a loss in the game last night in Detroit, message was sent, he's here to play. Yeah, and think about his past couple of weeks. His, his last game was against St. Louis when the Blue Jackets called up eight guys from Cleveland, and they went in against St. Louis on the, in St. Louis's last preseason game of the, of the preseason series. And they had their top lineup and still James Neal in the lineup trying to make the team. So a lot of spots there with a really good. So he saw a lot of rubber. And that was a game that got out of hand quite early there in St. Louis. And, you know, he had to sit and think of that for the last 10 days to two weeks. And then he had to watch Elvis play really, really well. So we've all been in competitions in one way or another in life. And it's uneasy when you see someone doing what you want to do very well. And when you get that opportunity, you want it to go extremely well. He, he did what he wanted to, but to get the victory would have been even better for Elvis and the organization. I look at the defense for the blue jackets, Bob, and there's a lot of young pieces back there that, uh, you know, the importance of getting out of the zone clean is massive. It's not just on the defenseman, but they really set the tone going back for pucks and making that first clean play. And a lot of times they that wasn't happening, and then you had young D with young centermen trying to, you know, really get things going, but the this, the intensity and speed of the forecheck of the, the Red Wings pushed them back a bit. That's why they spent so much time down there, especially that second period. There was a couple really long shifts where it was just too long down there, and the bench seemed so far away. 
one instance when Peak had no blade, that bench seemed like it was in Columbus for that poor guy, and Corpy was going to drive him back there. <laughs> but anyways, you know, you see those things, and you know they're going to make adjustments and try to get better and watch video, and that's just part of the, the process of the regular season. But for the goalie situation, I agree. It's a battle. Um, you know, Elvis is, is really looks solid in there, so is Jonas. Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But I feel like later in the game, Elvis – or. Uh, Corpy got tired. I think he really did. He did a lot of work early and often throughout those, that entire game. Yeah, he did. And, and there were some saves that he made that they were really good chances, two-on-one chances. And he came out and he dusted it aside like he was facing a 10-year-old. So he did a really good job. He doesn't get the win, but he did a good job. And, again, before we finish up this segment, I do want to ask you about Alexander Texier. Where is he for you? I, he gets a chance to be the number one center in the first two games, well, game and a half, and ends up on – getting moved down in the lineup. Now he's on the wing, and this guy's still trying to find himself. At one point, it looked like uh, he was going to come in and take this league by storm. That has not happened, but isn't this a very pivotal point and a critical point for him in his career where this team is right now with the ability that he has? Isn't it time for him to turn a corner and take it here? Well, okay, let's go to Roslovic, too, because he's a player who had that opportunity. We all thought he would be there in the top uh, situation with this organization. He hasn't even had a, a sniff of it. So you put Texier there, and to me it's just not a match, and it's not against Texier. I like his skill set in the right situation. He does everything fast and hard. He passes the puck hard. He skates fast. He processes things fast. He likes the game staying in front of him. He was playing with two wingers who like to slow the game down. Patrick Line likes to slow it down. So when Line tries to slow it down and Voracek is trying to slow it down and you have a motor in the middle of the ice, the middle of the ice is supposed to be that layer behind those guys that's kind of collecting the dust to keep the play moving, you know. If Patrick can't make that move in the middle of the ice, here's that layer underneath that bumps it along. And, and for me, he was darting around and trying to dart in the right area and making that pass that wasn't there. And, you know, it's not to me it's not that fit. And I think that veteran centerman who can play with those guys, that player that can read off a slower player. You know, Joe Thornton's one of those guys in San Jose that slowed it down, and he liked playing with certain players that would just be predictable. To me, Texier's not predictable enough for those guys. So who is the guy? Boone Jenner is predictable. He can play it fast or slow. He can read the game well. But like I said earlier, that takes him out of that situation. So I don't know. I, I've liked Line A and Voracek together so far. Uh, I'm not sure. They, they look like they got mixed up last night a little bit, which is fine. Uh, let's see. Maybe maybe the kid Chinikov gets in there on that line and, and gets to play with Patrick Line. He's a guy that can play it too. Also very, very intellectual, play it fast. If you have one guy slowing it down, it's great. But, but you know, two guys, you really have to have a specific center, in my opinion, to play with them. So as we get to this next segment, does that mean our show's going to slow down here? Because we're going to bring oh, Patrick Line in. Oh, I tell you what, I don't know, Bob. Off the ice, <laughs> I can't wait to talk to Patrick. He, he, Patrick, he's a he's a very interesting kid. You know, we didn't get to know him last year, his first year here. We got to see him on Zoom. I know uh, you interviewed him a couple times across the ice on the headset uh, for a couple quick questions in-house. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I don't think it'll slow down. I think it'll speed up. All right. I agree with you on that. And <laughs> fingers crossed here. Patrick Line will join us as the Inside Edge continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligot, sitting alongside of Jody Shelley. And right now, we welcome in Blue Jackets forward Patrick Line. 
Well, Patrick, first of all, thank you for taking the time to do this with us. Uh, it's great to do it in person. I think last year we did one of these on Zoom, and it was very impersonal. So it's uh, it's nice to be back and nice to see you face-to-face. Is that nice for you? I mean, a guy that came in from one organization to another during the season last year and wasn't allowed to go out to dinner with your teammates, uh, weren't allowed to do much of anything, that had to be tough, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty tough. I mean, on a normal year, you're obviously allowed to do all those things, and it makes it – a little bit easier to uh, get to know everyone, but uh, and obviously get to know you guys. You guys are awesome, so awesome to do this in person now, and uh, yeah, it makes it a little bit easier this year. See, I told you he was smart. He already knows how awesome we are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we didn't get to know him last <laughs> no, year. No, we didn't. I mean, Not at all. We were fans from afar, so it's good to be around you and, and uh, you know get to see up close and see an action behind the scenes. When you left here last year, when the season came to an end, and and then you were here for a while. I know you were here when Brad Larson got introduced as coach. But when you left and you went home, where was your mind at as far as what you needed to do for you so you would be ready when you came back here in the fall? Um, I think it was kind of the same same for me. It's just excited to go home. I think that's always usually on my mind after the season and after uh, you know a tough season like I had and we had as a team. I think it was just – you know, try to not not to think about it and just get get to work and be ready for this year. And I think that's kind of something that gets me away from those thoughts, just working out and try to try to improve. So, um, but yeah, it was it was just a quick regroup and uh, you know get back at it. And I know you weren't happy because the the comments that you made when you came in for camp this year, uh, you put it very plainly what you thought about uh, your performance last year and. How disappointed were you just in, in, in yourself and that how you couldn't really get it together like you have in the past in this league? Yeah, well, it's obviously disappointing that, you know, I've seen seen and felt what it feels like to, uh, you know, score 40, almost score 50, and then going, going to that, having, having that kind of season. It's obviously disappointing for me and uh, obviously for, for everyone watching and, you know, supporting this team, it's it's obviously tough to see that, but you're you're gonna have tough tough stretches. It's it's not gonna be fun. It's a, if it's all all go all going well every time. Um, so it's just yeah, it was it was tough year, but uh, you know that's all behind me right now, and just focused on this year and making it better. Well, Patrick, you're a, you're a superstar, and you've been a superstar for a long time. Uh, you keep your confidence high. I know when you say things, but do you do you have to? Did you have to take time and be like, okay, like, what is going on with this game right now? What do I have to get to to get back to where I want to be? Yeah, I mean, last year was kind of tough, too, because um, I, well, it was the first time I faced uh, that fact over the years that I just didn't know what to do anymore. Like, I just didn't know who I was as a player. I felt like I kind of lost it, and I think that's the worst thing that happened to a player when, when you lose your identity as a player. So that was kind of the, you know, I've had tough, tough stretches in Winnipeg too. Like it's not the first time, but that was, that was the first time I kind of lost myself as a player and as a, as a person. So that was uh, tough to see, but don't want to, don't want to go back there. So that's, you know, try to, try to get away from that and just have a, have a good year. So what do you, I mean, there's always a grind that goes with the off season. Is it, is it go out and run 10 miles for Patrick Line or is it go get the hockey stick and shoot a thousand pucks or is it go walk 18 holes of golf? What, what, what gets you back at it? Um, I think it's kind of 
all those things. I just gotta gotta get moving. Like that's that's what I love to do. It doesn't matter if it's if it's golf or working out or whatever. It's uh, just gotta get moving. Like I I love all kinds of exercises, all kinds of games. Um, so it doesn't matter if we have an off day, we'll go play tennis or something else and just just have fun. And uh, but yeah, working out and try to improve myself in good company kind of gets me away from away from all that. So um, that's kind of what I did this summer. What what kind of what kind of exercises? Are you a yoga? Are you a squat? Are you a <laughs> no, lifter? <laughs> no, not really. I'm uh, no, I like to run. Yeah, that's kind of what all the Finns do. Yeah, uh, we quite a bit even though it's not fun but we still do it voluntarily um but yeah all kinds of games whether it's tennis or paddle or whatever whatever we can think of playing uh just just hockey or whatever it's it's always fun to play all kinds of games with my buddies and that's usually fun it is amazing how much the Finns run bob when i was in finland for 10 weeks we ran all it was freezing out it was cold and uh, before every skate, you run for two miles. You just run. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. We usually run before the skate and usually after. Yeah. So we, we don't like to run, but we still do. <laughs> do you incorporate that into your youth coaching, Jody? Do you get <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't run. Maybe we should. Yeah. No, I've noticed it here that guys don't run. And no, they guys don't. Guys don't like to run. I don't know what is it about the European guys to run quite a bit. Hey, but no one when they're running look like they're having a good time, though. Let's be honest. You feel like you're having a good time when you run? No, I hate it. <laughs> but I still go out there. I don't know. What it is. What is it? Well, just think, even when you go through struggles as a forward, I mean, in, in some ways it could have been worse because you started as a goalie when you were a kid. And that, that was your favorite position, right? That's that's what you wanted to be once upon a time? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Was it uh, – was it the pads? Was it denying guys that could shoot the puck like you? What was it? I don't know. Honestly, I just uh, I just wanted to be a goalie. I just don't know what was the reason. Always when we played, uh, you know, outside with my buddies, I always wanted to be a goalie. And uh, whenever they're, uh, you know, our junior team needed a goalie, I was always first in the line. And I don't know what what was it, but it was just so much fun at the time. But. I couldn't do it anymore. Guys were shooting way too hard, so <laughs> I don't want to get hurt. Was that it? Was it the was it the <laughs> impact of the pucks on the body that? Uh, no, actually, well, I wanted to be a goalie, but then my dad decided for me because he was obviously paying for my hobby. So he had the last word. So I think he he made a good decision. His dad was smarter than I was. Yeah, I kept buying that <laughs> stuff for my kid all the way through high school. I should have. Is he you still know, a goalie? No, he's a baseball player, so there you go. <laughs> but I have a whole bunch of goalie equipment still in my basement. Okay. Um, but, well, look, your dad was pretty smart. That was that was the right choice, though. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it worked out all right. <laughs> what did you – well, so let me ask you, though, and I know it was a long time ago when you did that, but um, do you still feel for goalies in a way? Or when you're shooting, when do you – do you look at how much you look at tendencies and and things like that to try to exploit the weaknesses? You know, once upon a time you were trying to make sure you had no weaknesses. Now you're trying to find everybody else's and bury it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still a different game. You know, between NHL and being a ten, eleven year old, I think uh, you know you don't really think about it that way. Like I'm just trying to try to hit the net, and that's pretty much it nowadays. Um, you're obviously trying to look at the goalie, but I don't think it matters that I used to be a goalie when I was a 10-year-old. I don't think it 
you know, makes a big difference. But um, obviously still try to try to read the goalie as much as possible, but there's not too much time in this league when you get the puck. So just try to try to rip it. Well, let's talk about the way you read Philip Grubauer on Saturday night for the uh, overtime game winner. Looked like you went into that shot with a plan where you wanted to put it low on the glove side. Uh, you beat him there. Uh, there was there was a lot of uh, minutes in that game where he looked almost unbeatable the way he was playing. Uh, in a situation like that, do you know you're going to shoot the puck at that at that spot the moment that you get it on your stick? Yeah, I knew it right away where where I wanted to go. Um, you're obviously trying to look for look for any any kind of room out there, but uh, I pretty much knew right away when I came from the right side that I want to go low glove because uh, I don't think he was expecting that. And uh, yeah, like I've talked to uh, talked to our goalies in Winnipeg and here, and like what are the hardest shots from each uh, each situation, and kind of try to apply that to the game. And I felt like that was a right shot for that that moment, and uh, it worked out well. So. How much do you work on your one-timer? Have you Has it evolved over the years or has it always been exactly what it is right now? Deceptive release, hard. Uh, are you liking it? Yeah, I do like it. I just got to gotta hit the net more often nowadays. But I think it's, you know, when you get one, it's just kind of kind of natural and comes uh, after that. But when, you're, when your confidence is not there, you know, you're missing it quite a bit. You're not hitting the net you're you're missing it quite a bit and uh but you just got to get the one and then then I think it's going to open up I know you mentioned that you looked up to Ovechkin or idolized him when you were growing up very similar player I mean you guys probably have the two of the best if not top three or four in the National Hockey League shots right now for for the right-handed and, and, and any shots really he shoots the puck at a high rate all the time he always shoots and it's like People know it's coming. He just rips fastball, fastball. And I'm wondering, like maybe last year, or maybe sometimes we we know that you can shoot, but you're a really good passer too, right? Does that get in the way of sometimes what you maybe just ripping that fastball? Um, yeah, well, it's obviously great to uh, to have both abilities. Um, and I do not want to be a guy who only shoots it. Like I still want to still want to make plays, but. I still realize that I have a really good shot, so I should probably use it more often. And I think I've kind of got away from that a little bit over the years. Um, I think my my shots over over the eighty two game season, I think they've been down a little bit after uh, after my first couple of years when I scored a bunch. So uh, yeah, well he he shoots like at least four or five a game, and then over the over the over the season, you're gonna get a quite a bit of goals. Um, so I just try to get back to that. And, and no one wants to block it. I, I want to ask you about the power play right now because it looks fun. I mean, you know, last night it wasn't great. There was one late, but it looks fun to have those options out there. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, yeah, like you said, we're having fun, and we we know that we always have a good opportunity to score when we get out there. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been a part of uh, – top five power play for for multiple years and it's 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 really fun and you're you know when you have that kind of weapon in your arsenal you're gonna win a lot of hockey games those tight games um so yeah we have uh, i think we have all the tools we need to be a really good power play in this league and just gotta constantly work on it and talk about it and watch video and try to try to you know get some more tricks in their sleeves and that uh we're not so predictable out there because when you have multiple options you can't take them all away somebody's always going to be open 
Do you use a different stick on the power play? Uh, it depends. Uh, I might uh, I might take a new one just so it won't break if I get a one-timer chance. But if I'm starting with a new stick for a game, I usually don't switch. I, I used to every, every time we get on the power play. But um, I try to... Try to save some money for the team. Out so <laughs> boy. Not not uh, breaking all my sticks. <laughs> That'd be a lot of sticks to take out yeah. to the bench, right? I know. <laughs> Are you using a real whippy stick? Yeah, I would say it's pretty whippy. Uh, that's kind of the way I've I've learned how to shoot with a, with a whippy stick over the years, and uh, you know it's been working all right so far. So I don't feel like I need to change it, but uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. Tell me about Jake Voracek being a line mate with you now and, and being on the power play specifically because he looks like he's kind of taking it over in some ways, right? He's, he's calling a lot of shots. He's controlling the puck a lot. Um, what has he done for your game here in just these first couple of games? Um, yeah, well, he's obviously one of the best passers in the league. I think everybody knows that. And he's uh, he's he's been great on the power play. Like, he he's kind of in charge of what we do, which is, which is great for us. And... Um, you know, he has a lot of experience, too, about good, good power plays and what we need to do. And I think 5-on-5, five five too, he's, he's really strong. He's a good skater, and he's a pass-first type of guy, So, yeah. which which I definitely like. And, uh, yeah, I think we've we've had some good looks and still try to build some chemistry, And but it feel, feels good right now and just try to try to be better over the, over the year. You said both of you guys have been part of top five power plays. Did you compare notes between the two of you and maybe with the coaches about – what you've done before, what has worked, where you have been, and now with the kind of personnel you have, maybe some of the things you think will work here? Yeah, um, yeah, we've talked about it quite a bit, uh, us two and the whole unit and the coaches. Like um, Pazzi, our power play coach, he was in Winnipeg the whole time I was there, so he kind of knows what worked with us. Um, so he kind of kind of knows already, so I didn't have to talk to him about it really. Um but yeah, we've t- we've talked talk uh, about the power play, and seems like it's it's working now. But still, you know, try to try to get better uh, as a, as a team and as a unit, and uh, hopefully we can, you know, make it a weapon so we can win a lot of hockey games. We're talking with Blue Jackets forward Patrick Line. Much more to come as we continue with the Inside Edge on ninety seven point one The Fan. Uh. Our guest tonight is Patrick Line, a star winger for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And, and Patrick, I want to ask you about some off-ice things. And the first thing i got to ask you is about your style. Because you have a style that is uh, it's courageous, I'll say. I, I, I couldn't pull it off, but you pull it off. Uh, is this showing your personality a little bit, or is you, have you always had this style? Um, yeah, I mean, I like, I like to wear that kind of stuff, like, Colorful suits or yeah. Let's whatever. talk about opening night. Purple glasses with the purple suit. Now those weren't just glasses; they were very thin. I don't know what you call them. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. They're they're so ugly that they actually look good. <laughs> That's uh, kind of what I've always said. But yeah, I like to wear uh, different kind of stuff. Um, I don't want to look like everybody else and. I think that's great for the game. Hopefully, that guys will bring their own personality out a little bit more. And uh, but yeah, I I mean I like that kind of style, and you know I I think it represents my personality. And uh, yeah, I got uh, 
some couple couple more stuff for you guys hopefully in the future so it's so much fun to see and then i see you with the yellow glasses and the yellow hat and you have a yellow car what is it with the yellow i don't know you just gotta match everything you can't have you can't look like a rainbow out there <laughs> but, uh, yeah you gotta you gotta look carefully how you look you gotta you know match everything and uh, that's kind of usually what goes through my mind when i check my closet and go from there is this all you or do you have a stylist uh yeah i got a stylist and she's also my girlfriend okay so, there you go so, there's the uh, truth yeah so that's usually how it works so uh, you just walk in the room and it's like you're, this out. is what you're wearing today and yeah. you go oh or yeah. do you go all right no well we usually talk about it. she has some good ideas for me and we're kind of together thinking about what i'm gonna wear for the game and Usually I have my own opinions as well, but uh, yeah, she has a she has a good style and I like it, and we usually go go like that. That is so much fun, and um, you know I watch you with the fans here. You seem to enjoy Columbus. Can you tell us your opinion on, on this area? Yeah, I do. I do. I've like I said last year, even though it was a tough year, I still enjoy being here. Um, I always loved coming here with the, with the Jets, and I feel like this is a great city, and fans have been great, and people are nice, so I'm, I'm enjoying life here. That's fantastic. And, and I mean, I love the stuff. I couldn't pull off the yellow glasses with the yellow hat, Bob, but maybe you could. I mean, I'm, no, you got to be courageous. I, I, have faith in yourself. I think you could do it. I really do. I think so, too. You're yeah. a good-looking guy. You could, oh, you're very kind. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't you see him between the benches I with could, that? Yeah, I could, definitely. Yeah, that would be something. Yeah, we, Stop we st- it. We still got 79 games. You can, <laughs> can maybe surprise us all. Maybe you know? I'll surprise you. Maybe there should be a Patrick Line A night. A couple yeah. more of these outfits, yeah. and, and uh, maybe you'll start a big trend here in Columbus. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Or Where, around the world. Maybe. Where'd you get the ugly glasses? Like, do you, are, are you just out? You're, you're shopping? Hey, you can't and, call him ugly. He no, can he call him ugly. No, well, right. well, he uh, called no. him that. Sorry. Uh, that's where that's did you, not nice. Where did you get the thin glasses? <laughs> yeah. Like, when you're out, do you, do you look around? Do things just catch your eye sometimes, and you go, got to have that? Usually it goes like that. Like, I wasn't even shopping for glasses, and I just saw them, and I was like, all right, I'll just buy these. And these these look kind of nice, and that's how it usually goes. <laughs> if so I great. see something, I'll just buy it and wear it and wear it with confidence. And everything you wear with confidence looks good. That's right. And it, if it looks good in my mind, that's all that matters, really. Did you look at any of the, uh, of the social media reaction to your outfit on opening night by any chance? Uh, no, I've seen some, some in the papers. Um, yeah, there's, <laughs> guys, guys definitely love it. But, uh, yeah, it looks kind of fun. Your I locker room, do they like it in there? Yeah, yeah, they do. They always take pictures of me with, with my clothes <laughs> on. And hopefully not, not without my clothes. <laughs> but, yeah, let's, let's just keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering if you saw it, because I saw so many things like a, a RoboCop, uh, comparison yeah. was one of the big ones. It's awesome. Um. Yeah, but it's good. But to, and, and it's how important is that for players, not just you, but for everybody? To you're on a stage, uh, you have a chance to show your personality. You have a chance to expand the fan base. Quite frankly, by doing that, how important is that for a player? Yeah, I mean it's great. I think it's it's great for us that we can you know bring you know more people involving involved with hockey. Um, and just expand the sport. I mean, it's it's great for hockey and it's great great for the players and fans. And you know, that's at the end of the day, that's all it's about. Um, so it's it's great to see the fans enjoying us as players and persons. And uh, you know, it's great for us. 
I think you're on the top ten outfits. I know ESPN's doing this. I think ESPN's doing it. I think you made the top ten. Two of you, two did this week, didn't they? Nice. Well, sounds pretty good. Yeah, you got to yeah. keep it up. You got yeah. you got a long season. I now I can't go down anymore. <laughs> That's right. The standard has already been set for you. Now they've relaxed the uh, policy in some teams where you can wear whatever you want. Are you a fan of that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, not just a suit. Yeah, I mean, you, well, you can see it in other sports here. Uh, I think guys can maybe bring out their personality out a little bit more if uh, if there's a little bit of more freedom. Um, I personally like wearing suits; like it's not an issue for me. You can still still look cool mm-hmm. and make sweet outfits, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of that. You can you can wear wherever you want. You still gotta look good. You still gotta look like a professional. I I get that that you don't just show up in flip flops and shorts, but you still gotta look good. So hopefully they're gonna you know give us a little bit more freedom over the years, so guys can you know bring out their personalities a little bit more and, uh, you know, show our fans that we have cool, cool stuff and we still look good. I want to ask you about your great friend, uh, Barkoff, down in Florida, uh, Sasha Barkoff. He's uh, he's done great things down there. He's a heck of a player. Must be a wonderful person to be around a train with. He signs a massive contract. And, and for a young guy like you at 23 years old who's a good friend, what does that do for your motivation? Yeah, I mean it's it's awesome to see one of my closest friends to get that kind of deal and that kind of trust from their their team and obviously he's the he's the captain and hell of a player and uh always fun to be around and but yeah, it's just, you know, you want to get that kind of same deal and you want to get that kind of security for the rest of your life and he's earned every dollar of that deal. Like he's done so many great things in this league and uh like everybody has seen and I think he's still underrated in this league um so he I think he deserves every every penny of that deal how hard does he work for the young kids who are out there I think that these superstars like you and him it just comes naturally what's your shot you started naturally but you've had to work at it right along with Barkoff and what he's got yeah I mean he's probably the one of the hardest working guys I've ever seen so it's uh you know it's fun to be able to have that kind of guy working out with you who pushes yourself and himself forward and um i'll try to do the same thing with him to uh to push him forward and um i feel like we've done a pretty good job over the couple of years that we've been doing that together and uh you know there's still a lot of work to do for us but uh yeah just a hell of a player and really good guy am i remembering correctly but when we talked last year didn't you tell us that like you and him would like just show up where kids were playing and and just go <laughs> play with kids, right? Yeah, yeah. We would go to like outdoor rinks during the during the winter when the season started late. We would just go out there and play with some kids, and well, that's what we do. Like that's fun for us, and it's fun for the kids, and we're just enjoying playing. I think that is like the coolest thing. Yeah. Like I, I I couldn't imagine being eight, nine, ten years old, and all of a sudden Patrick Line shows up, and he's just gonna lace him up and. Uh, have a little tour and Barkov, yeah, and Barkov. Like, I mean, I would know that, I, like, the game's over; they're going to beat me every yeah, time. But, <laughs> but that's I, hockey. But that's, that's awesome, hockey. though, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we do. Like, I, f- I felt it when I was a kid, going to the same same place to skate, and then there's um, Finnish league players who would come in to play with us, and that was like the coolest thing ever. So, it's not like we do it because we feel like we have to. But it's just, you know, so much fun to play, and it's so much fun for the kids. And, you know, I've I felt it 
myself how it feels like to uh, be able to play with guys you look up to. So, um, yeah, it's it's always fun to uh, to do that. That's why I think it's cool because you don't do it because you feel like you have to because you just want to do it. Yeah, yeah. So. I think that's just. I I feel like there's a lot of guys who do stuff because they feel like they have to, but I think for us it just comes naturally because uh, you know we care about the fans and it's it's fun to do that stuff for us because you know it's not gonna last forever. Like when I'm 50, nobody probably cares anymore, so just gotta enjoy it now. Unless you're Gallagher and you're over in uh, some yeah, back still of the playing, yeah. still playing. Well, hopefully I'm not playing when I'm 50. But. Hey, uh, last one for me. When you're away from the rink, so you know you got a day off and and you're in Columbus, um, what are you doing? Are you playing video games against random people? Are you shopping? Are you doing arts and crafts? What is Patrick Liney up to? Usually it depends on the day. We'll usually figure out something with my girlfriend, something to do. Uh, well. I don't know. It just depends. Depends how we feel. Depends if, you know, have a back-to-back and then you have a day off and kind of just relax at home and maybe watch movies or do something and maybe go for a movie or, or whatever it might be. But kind of just how you how you feel throughout the day and just figure out something to do instead of just sitting on the couch all day. Yeah. Perfect. Patrick, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yep. Uh, congratulations on that game winner the other night. Best of luck as you guys uh, get ready to play another couple of home games here. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That is Patrick Line of the Blue Jackets. We'll be back with more of the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Well, tomorrow night, the Blue Jackets are taking on the New York Islanders at Nationwide Arena. Game gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Jody, the Islanders, they look just like all the Islanders because they didn't make very many changes. Uh, One thing they did do is bring Zdeno Chara back after about 100 years. Uh, He started with their franchise, and he is back again after like two decades is what it really is. But uh, in any event, you know what you're going to get with the Islanders. You're going to get uh, toughness, grit, hard to play against. Uh, the Blue Jackets uh, had their hands fill, had them full with uh, Detroit last night. You're going to get a 100 times dose of that with the New York Islanders tomorrow. Yeah, you know, they got their first win of the season, a team that a lot of people have picked to actually go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals and win the Stanley Cup. They're, they're You know, they had a great year last year. They, they went to the Conference Finals. They're the team that uh, was a big team that, took a lot out of a lot of the teams in the East. And because they play Barry Trotz hockey, they play lockdown in front of their goaltenders. The goaltenders are good. Their defense is good. And they have that grit and edge to all their games. So Clutterbuck is still there. Martins is still there. Um, Sezika signed a long-term deal. They announced a bunch of signings uh, late. They signed... So Zach Parisi is back after he was in Minnesota for a while. And you mentioned Chara. So... They're a team that's built to go do it through Lou Lamorello and the experiences that they've had in the past uh, few seasons, but they want the Stanley Cup. So, you know, they they lost their first two games, and, and, you know, after those two games you could read the articles and and read that, oh, is it a slow start? What's happening? Well, they played with urgency last night against the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks are still searching for their, their start of the season, if you will, as far as wins. So, 
Yeah, I, I like the Islanders. Uh, they're going to be a handful for the Blue Jackets, but it's going to be a predictable game in the sense of what they're going to do. They have a certain way to play. They have a forecheck, and they have a defensive zone that is very stingy, uh, and maybe that'll be good for the Blue Jackets not to get into a game where, hey, what's going to happen here? Can we try this? It's going to be more of a lockdown, uh, five-man mentality in the D zone and in the O zone. And the Islanders, they, good news for them, they finally have a home to play in. Yeah. The bad news is it's not ready yet. <laughs> so they are in the midst of a 13-game road trip to start the season. That is a daunting task. I don't care how good you are. I don't care what players you have. To go on the road for 13 games to start the year is not easy. So when you're talking about, uh-oh, is this going to be a slow start, I'm sure there's even more urgency this year because you can't afford to, to fall behind but you're going to be on the road the entire no. time. I, I, I would hate that. I mean, that's that's tough mentally. Well, and they'll get paid back royally when they can stay home, and, and a lot of their schedule will be, will be done. So there there is a, a silver lining to that for sure. I mean, Seattle's an expansion team, and they had to take five games on the road for the renovation to get completed. So Belmont uh, Belmont Park, where they're going to have this uh, this new stadium, yeah. Hopefully it's ready in 13 games because, you know, how many times have we, we played the last game at not Nassau Coliseum, you know yeah, what I mean? I and I'm sure if they had to do it one or two more times, they would. But the building sounds spectacular. Everyone's excited about it. This team is in a good spot. So um, I, I don't see it all bad for a team to start it on the road for, for uh, 21 days or whatever it is. It's funny you say that because the Blue Jackets closed the Coliseum. That's right. Then reopened the Coliseum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and I, it was fun in there, but uh, time yeah, it, to go. It, it was fun, but yeah, yeah, time to go is right. It was some of it wasn't so fun. I, you played in there. Oh, <laughs> you, it was you had to go in there with teams in the, the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, it was like I mean, it was wild in there. And you walk, you'd stay at the hotel, which was across the parking lot for the building. We we stay there now, and you know, you walk across, and the fans are chirping you and. You know, they're partying. Oh, they start early. It starts early. The, the, the drum is beating outside your hotel window at, like, noon for a 7 o'clock game. Yep. So that's a no-nap sequence yeah. right there. And by 4, they're really beating that drum because yeah. they've been there for four hours. <laughs> Ready for you to do yeah. that walk. Exactly, exactly. So great fans, and, and they'll be happy to open that building. And, then, boy, that's going to be uh, a, a lot of excitement there. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But the Islanders are here tomorrow night. Again, 7 o'clock start. You can hear the game right here on the fans, starting with free game coverage at 6.30. How great was Patrick Laine? Awesome. Wasn't that great? You called it. You said it would speed up. It, spe- it, it speeded sped up, up a lot. And, you know, we got to see a little bit of his personality. We hope to hear more of it. But uh, what a cool guy. Yeah, that was that was great. That was great. So, hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Patrick Laine, thanks to him for being our guest tonight. That'll do it for the Inside Edge. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long. And thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.